This is the Global Broadcasting Service, serving remote outposts since 1928. Hi, everyone. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. Welcome, foolish mortals. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. This is the DBC Pod with Phil Schoen and Jason Dodge. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's pod. This is the week in review of October 16th. And you waved again. Is this, is, I mean... Do we like the wave? Should I uh, keep the wave? No, it's very perfect. It just catches me off guard. <laughs> I, I'm going through my show and I, I see you like, hey! I'm like, do we do... We do is this, are we waving show right now? Is this, this is fine. I just want to know where we're sitting. All right, maybe we um, vote. Yeah, we, we've got an interesting week. I mean, I say this every, every single show. It's, a, it's an interesting show. This is more of a rumors-based show. I think because we're going to be reviewing the Hollywood Reporter uh, article that popped out. Uh, was it was it a week ago? Last week? Yeah, like a week, week and a half, half ago. Yeah, something like that. Uh, it talks about all about Iger and Chapek and all the other BS that kind of goes along with that, and corporate boardroom millionaire fights and stuff like this. <laughs> so um, anyway, it, it kind of pertains to Disney, obviously, because these are people in charge. Uh, but other than that, we're going to um, some typical news, not not a heavy news week, a lot of kind of announcements and stuff like that. So um, we're going to catch you up on everything that's going on this week at Disney. But first, we want to bring the DCI for this week. We're up to 75.07%. And the reason because of this is a lot of stuff that's in the news, uh, a lot of entertainment coming back, a lot of places to eat, um, and some events, which would be really cool. Um I'm not going to go over them because I think you're going to go over all of these in the news. So not to preempt you at all. And uh, let's just get right into it. What is the news this week, Phil? Yeah, well, I think the biggest news of the week was that the DBC podcast hit 10,000 downloads. Oh, um, yes, sir. That is actually the the highest level that they'll notify us on Buzzsprout. So we are, we, we've we reached We're that good. pinnacle, I guess. Can, um, <laughs> can we be a, a patting ourselves on the back podcast instead of a, a waving podcast? I mean, like, like oh, yeah. Oh, okay. We appreciate all your support, guys, out Absolutely. there. And, and thank you very much. Um, I, I think little by, by little, we get a little bit better. We're very close to our target uh, subscriber count on YouTube to get that personalized yes. URL. So we appreciate that. How are we do? I haven't checked in a few days. So we are Have you to, looked, though? We're at 89. So we're getting oh, close. Oh. So uh, more. definitely having the giveaway uh, helped out, and we are continuing that giveaway. Um, I think if you comment on this week's video, that'll get you an extra entry into the giveaway. So, <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't even gamifying that to, it to Jason, but yeah. So we're very close. Uh, please tell your friends to subscribe and and to to comment, and they can help you. Please get another entry for you if one of your friends. <laughs> subscribe share on facebook or whatever other social media platforms you've got out there we appreciate that uh what helps us the most and if you haven't done already go on itunes give us a five-star rating um not that you can you give us a five-star rating and then tell us that you hate us or or whatever (laughs) but the five-star rating allows the uh analytics to kind of point us out as a disney podcast that's good for everybody so we like that the more five-star ratings the better and the like and subscribe on all the different videos if you happen to watch us on YouTube. And if you don't, uh, don't bother watching us, but go over and hit the like button anyway. It takes you two seconds. We massively appreciate that. And uh, I mean, we pre- I should probably should have put this on the preamble before we got to the news, Phil. Okay. But yes, that was the news for real. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. So the news for real. Uh, and this does tie into the DCI because I think more and more they're, uh, Disney's yes. bringing back things, which is allowing for some of these events to get full credit versus partial credit as Matt does all this. Um, but one of those items that allows for the after hours holiday event, which is Disney's very merriest after hours event, is that they now announced that there will be a stage show at the event, in addition to already having a parade and an extra fireworks and that sort of thing. So, so Disney has announced that um, there will be uh, a, what they're calling an event exclusive entertainment and including uh, now a stage show in addition to all the things we mentioned. Um, and what I think is really nice about this is there's, and I guess maybe more a question is, is this now reaching the point that this, this event is actually a decent value? Because we know the events haven't sold out, mm-hmm. so will they be? You know, maybe not too crowded. You're like I said, you're getting you can get in at seven, so you can see the regular fireworks, and then you can see the second fireworks show. 
you get a full parade, you get low weights for the for the rides, and now you're getting a, a stage show, and you're getting to opportunity to see characters and stuff like that. Now, part of this is self serving because I am going to one of those, <laughs> um, and I will also say I'm going on one of the nights that is one of the cheaper, I think the cheapest rates, which is one hundred and sixty nine dollars. I know as you get Ooh. close closer to dis, uh, to Christmas. It gets up as high as I think two forty nine, which I mean, once you're talking like a That's family ridiculous. of four or five, that is a lot. But it's just interesting to see, you know, as they add more of these things, you know, is it becoming, you know, a reasonable value? And what's what what is the future of these events? Right? Are we going to go back to the, the regular parties that were the biggest complaint was that the crowds were getting so high that you couldn't get on any rides, you couldn't do anything? Is it going to be these after hour events that are maybe a good value, but still pricey so the family of four or five really can't drop you know necessarily a grand on, on well a i mean and stuff so i don't know what this, you think. yeah this is my thought process i love that this is after hours mm-hmm. right so you're not taking part time from um you know day guests i guess if you want to call them that so that's good uh the the price point is high enough that it the parks are rather maybe empty i don't know what, what word you want to use at least not as crowded mm-hmm so you do get the sense of exclusivity when you're there. So, you know, you're paying $170, $240 on these things. You want to get the most bang for your buck. We are getting the same level of entertainment as the parties pre-COVID with stage shows and parades and all this other stuff. I think the new part is the second f- fireworks show, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. So is a fireworks show worth, you know, 100 bucks or 50 bucks? Maybe. I-, I just know that this being late at night probably excludes a lot of older or younger children for it anyway. So me party of a family of five with three, three kids under the age of eight. Um, we're not doing this anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we can't get the money's worth of it. So as a family of four doing this, maybe, I mean, if they're not huge into magic kingdom, I mean, like he, but, so it all comes down it, to me, it always comes down to money, right? Oh, so yeah. if you're there for a six or seven day vacation, you're getting a five or six ticket package when you're there. Adding that extra day is only about 60 to $70 per person at that point. So that, sh- that extra ticket is pretty cheap. And now you're, you're paying an over premium price for this. And when you start balancing out park day versus party, it kind of like that, that's, that's where the math comes out to yeah. be. Right. And, um, if you could fit, you know, 160 times four for the average family of four into your budget, if you've got two teenage kids or, or something, middle school kids, like, well, you know, you want to do, do it late. So you do like a resort day and then you go into a party day at like um, when, you, when you get there, uh, was it seven? Seven. You you can can pop in. In. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, I mean, like if it, if it wasn't like, okay, am I spending $500? That might be a cool day to be at the parks. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like, yes, we could, we can, we can do that. It's just. I don't know. It, like, if this was like, if this was cheaper, it'd be like yes. But if it was cheaper to be sold out, right? right. So I, I'm rambling right now. I don't know how to formulate this I think in my it head. Is that so, kind like of a, borderline mm. point. Maybe that means they've hit the right point, right? Where it's kind of maybe like, is it worth it or not? And like I said, I feel like when I'm going and it's 169, that that feels more worth it. 250. It's a little dicey, yeah, right? Much. I mean, I know some people going this year where they're like, "Look, we didn't go last year. Like, this is we're going all out." Who knows what's going to happen next year, though, when there is right. that you know kind of revenge travel. But it's just mm-hmm. interesting that they they kind of keep adding things. We also heard that they're going to be adding, uh, I think, character meet and greets to Boobash and stuff. So I think Disney's definitely getting the message that the after hours is nice, but that's not enough for what you're charging. Yep. So I, I just want to throw this. If it was like my wife and I going mm-hmm. down, I think we would spend the money to do something like this. As like you know a nice like I don't know date night type of thing. <laughs> well, I mean like with two people, I can I can see like taking that money out of my pocket to do it. Whether it's like you know we do a full day at the Magic Kingdom and then we send the kids back with Grammy to like okay you you kids go have less fun at the resort and we're <laughs> gonna go have a lots of fun until late. I mean I don't know if I could do that, but like but like two people like a young couple, um you know couples without kids. I mean you know. I'm down with that. I mean, like solo travelers traveling down with friends, that type of thing. If, you know, to me, that's that, that the price point, you know, hits, hits, I think pretty good. It's just mm-hmm. once you start having to pay for everybody else in your family <laughs> where it starts hurting a little bit. Yeah. We'll be back after a quick break. 
blast off with Space Vacation the Musical as the Bloom family from the bright yellow planet takes a wild, weird, and wonderful intergalactic summer vacation. With original songs and stellar comedy, their trip goes delightfully haywire. Fun and adventure for all ages. Space Vacation the Musical on all podcast platforms now. Subscribe today. Um, and speaking of holiday events, uh, Disney also announced the first of the celebrity uh, pre- presenters uh, or narrators, I guess they call them, for the Candlelight Procession. Uh, some of them include, um, I know uh, Stephen Chir- Curtis Chapman is there and uh, Jody Benson, the voice of the Little Mermaid is there, Pat Sajak. So a few, they've only announced a handful, more will be added over time, but it's nice to get some names there. Um, what yep. I also liked was they they talked about some of the other, uh, uh, I guess, entertainment or attractions that will be going on around World Showcase. They mentioned that Los Posadas will be at the Mexico Pavilion. There'll be a Canadian Holiday Voyagers at the Canadian Pavilion. Chinese Lion Dance celebrating the New Year at the China Pavilion, which I think that could be really cool. And the one thing that really jumped out at me, they're going to have Hanukkah storytellers along the promenade. Uh, over in France, Italy, Japan, Norway, and the United Kingdom. So I thought that was really, really neat. Hmm. You know, Hanukkah is not something that you see Disney talk about a lot. Um, and I know there are, you know, obviously a lot of people that celebrate that holiday that are of the Jewish faith, that are Disney fans. So I think it's really neat that they're they're going to have that. And this isn't, you know, it's very much a, a celebration for everybody. You know, sometimes cool. I think people feel like candlelight pr- procession is very... Very Christian, Very in nature. So, uh, so it's nice yeah. to see see other things as well. Um, the next news item, I most again was another selfish plug. Uh, they announced that guests at, that are attending Destination D twenty three, of which I am one of them, will get an early viewing of the new animated film Encanto. So, so you mentioned that, yeah. So I'll be there. It, it's a week before the movie comes out, so everyone attending gets to see it over at the AMC at Disney Springs on the Friday of that, that event. So I thought that was, that, that Very was pretty cool. excited. Um, related to travelers coming to the, all of the United States, but obviously it impacts um, international guests wanting to it's come to huge. Disney world is that starting November 8th, vaccinated international travelers will be allowed into the United States from 26 different countries. These include a lot from Europe, such as France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Switzerland, and Greece. It also includes uh, Great Britain, Ireland, as well as China, India, South Africa, uh, Iran, and Brazil. So we know that's a lot of uh, Disney fans in those areas have been itching yeah. to get back here and get to Walt Disney World. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how they come. Are they all ready to come and itching, you know, itching to get here? And you know, are, is that going to raise crowds and stuff like that for the holidays? I guess we'll see. But it's you know, we have a lot of lot of friends from around the world. That have you know, as soon as it drops, we're getting there. So, so this this really is why news. this is why this is a bad thing. Okay, ready? Uh, Disney is not ready to accept the multitude of people that are going to be coming to the parks. It has nothing to do with you know international travelers or COVID or anything else like this. It's just like they very have very little capacity at the hotels. They're slowly mm-hmm. opening those up. Um, Everything around there is just not working at full steam, and now they're introducing so many people. Now, the caveat to this is, are they going to get some of those international students back that are going to be working at Disney? They're going to help out at Epcot. Does that mean that you know the you know the exchange uh, program and all the other stuff comes back? Does that help out a little bit? I don't know, uh, but you're going to. I think what's going to happen is like those shorter days or those less busy days. Mm-hmm are no longer because now you're putting all those international guests back into the parks. Now are international travels just ready to kind of just stampede and and go to Disney. I think, yes. I mean, here in the U S we were right. We everybody's ready to go back in the parks. It's definitely a certain certain group for certain is, is really ready to go. So what, what does that mean? A thousand, 2000 guests a day heading to magic kingdom that are international travelers. I, I mean, there, there's a huge percentage of international travelers every single day at the parks oh, yeah. pre COVID. And um, even that percentage of that percentage is going to be noticeable at the parks. And uh, 
I hope I hope everybody travels safe and takes precautions and respects everybody's space and local governing and all that other you know rules and stuff like that. There's not. I mean, I think if there's going to be any kind of craziness, it would have been us bunch of Americans yelling at everybody <laughs> about mask mandates, right? So, um, but no, I, I welcome this because it's just going to make everything you know make Disney start ramping things up a bit more because if they're going to see an increase in X Y Z, then they're going to have to start hiring more people faster. Differently or raise the price. I don't know, but they're gonna have to start doing something if if the parks are gonna be at like I don't know twenty percent more busy throughout the day. Start at least starting in the mornings. Yeah, so that's my rant. Yep. And the last news item I have, I'm bucketing together a bunch of things related to sort of park openings or reopenings and rumors. One of them that I forgot to put in the show notes, but uh, Port Orleans opened up uh, just the other day, so that is more hotel capacity. Although we understand a lot of the hotels are not running at a hundred percent. But still, you know, another another hotel open, including the boats taking people down to Disney Springs, which I think is good, helps out Disney Springs and something else for people to do. So hopefully some of these resorts that have extra like kind of wings and buildings as these international guests and other people start coming back, they can just open up. Um, we yep. mentioned before that Yeehaw Bob was going to be returning. Um, we did, did not mention that before. Oh, we didn't re- mention that. I thought no, we, we mentioned I, that I he was going anything. I, I didn't mention we, anything. Okay. I thought we said last week that he was going to be coming back. Well, last week. Yes, oh, yeah. Not yeah, today yeah, in this yeah. podcast. So, Sorry. Um, so My he fault. did come back with the opening of Port Orleans Riverside. One thing that was interesting, though, was he was told not to do sing-along songs, um, which at first was kind of like, really? Are we you know, restricting that? But when you think about it, it's an indoor space. Everyone's pretty mm-hmm. close together. It's food is being served there. So people aren't wearing masks and stuff like that. So you can kind of understand not wanting to have people kind of singing in each other's faces. But it's just sort of another, I guess, sign of the times, right? That we, we can sure. sort of take one step forward, but maybe not not a full step. Everybody get vaccinated. <laughs> that too. Um, also on the boardwalk, Jelly Rolls and Atlantic Dance Hall has reopened. Although I don't know how many people actually go to Atlantic Dance Hall, but still. It is open, but Jelly Rolls, I know, is really, really popular. A lot of people are looking forward to that coming back and just bringing more life to the boardwalk area is wonderful. Um, and kind of some just sort of rumors and reports about things that might be coming. Uh, Tron ride vehicles have arrived on yes. site. So I think this is big news. Now, this doesn't mean the ride's going to open imminent or anything like that. My understanding is the Guardians ride vehicles have been on site for a while. Um, but still, it's, you know, we're seeing a lot of work. You know, when I was there a couple weeks ago, it was really jumping the construction site. Like they're working on that to get it done. I think Obviously, the outside is. Get it done, uh, yeah. Quicker, but it, but it, they are working on it. I think they're working on the outside, the entryway mm-hmm. to the, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the vehicle or the uh, the, the spaceship that's going to be in the front of it. Um, oh, over at Guardians, it's the, uh, the yeah, because yeah, it's the galactic representation from Xandar, I think. What it Xandar, is. yes. Yeah. It's going to be like, it has, it has, it's a play on the different neighborhoods in Epcot. Yeah. It's like, what I forget what they're going to call it. And anyway, they're starting to work on that. I've seen some pictures of yeah. that going on. There's a bunch of different reports last week on Twitter and social media about uh, people getting to see the inside of that mm-hmm. building. Um, I'm getting some previews of that and people are going, wow, this thing is basically it's all done except for the screen work that um, you have to do for all the filming that James yep. Gunn has to do for the rides. So I think that's basically yeah. what's most a lot of speculation up. now, too. I think mm-hmm. about when will each of these open up, what parts of next year. And, you know, they did report that Guardians will open in 2022. But when and when Tron will. I, if I had to guess, it's beginning of Q2 next year. That's my guess. Yeah, I assume one will open in first half and one will open in second half of next year, but I guess we'll see. I keep going back mm-hmm. and forth in my head of which will open up first. But Oh, that's, Guardians that's is definitely point. opening first, okay. in my opinion. I guess we'll see. Well, I mean, is, is there anybody speculating that Tron will open before Guardians? I think originally that was always the thought. because Maybe originally. Well, yeah, but I think now it does feel like Guardians is closer. I oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and also Fantasmic over at Hollywood Studios. There's been some reports that the pace of the refurbishment there quickens. Although other reports are kind of coming in that it's clear that a lot of work needs to be done. It seems like they're doing some pretty heavy over, you know, overlays and refurbs on the ship that goes around. That's as part of it that all the characters are on, stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see. Um, another little thing we did see was that water was being refilled at the pools at Typhoon Lagoon. Yep. Um, so, you know, a lot of thinking is that might open by the end of the year and then, you know, kind of have both water parks open through the holidays and then Blizzard Beach will go down for kind of the annual refurbishment. But, you know, again, things are kind of moving forward, maybe, you know, not as quick as everybody would like, but it, it is still progress and 
progress, at least in the right direction, even if it's slow, is is a good thing. Yes, absolutely. And that's it for the news. A reminder of our social media accounts, Twitter at PodDBC, Instagram, the DBC Podcast, Facebook, DBC Pod. Of course, our YouTube channel. Subscribe and comment on this video. Get us up to 100 subscribers and the Discord channel. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, get on Discord. Um, I've been off of Discord all weekend because I don't know why. We got we got <laughs> soccer practice at home and we're running around. And every time you go on, there's a lot of people that complain. This Discord is uh, very hard to keep up on, right? Because it's basically it's a chat channel. And it's just keep scrolling. One giant chat. Yeah, exactly. And. That doesn't mean it's like a forum where you go to your last commented section and just kind of follow through because it's different. Like when you're when you're talking on a forum, you're usually posting something that's part of a distinct conversation and it's not run of the mill stream of consciousness discussion. But because it's a chat channel, you sit there and you start hammering out your comments. It's like, you know, you're just chatting, right? So when you're on, for those people that are that have tried Discord and don't like the form factor of it, don't try to do it like a forum where you're trying to like read everything in a thread just basically skip all the way to current whatever is happening now and then just jump into the conversation maybe scroll up a little bit i mean it's not jumping that much within a given day you know maybe 50 to 100 lines and you can just usually scroll through them type of thing the only other thing in the news and rumor one where we have uh feeds um, you can easily just scroll up and down if you if you want to and just look for the pictures. That, if there's a picture, that means that there was a something that got posted. But we we basically we link to WWNT and uh, Black Mickey for a lot of our stuff. So if you think you've missed anything, just hop onto those awesome websites and they'll be able to give you the news. Um, that being said, it's ready for it's time for attractionality, and this one was done. Uh, I, we did what Small World last uh, right. last week. So this was done right before Small World. Uh, Cassis Sony uh, was um, it's been slowing down on these. Um, at first, he was going too fast. <laughs> now he's doing it too slow. And what I mean too slow, it's like a matter of like thirty six hours too slow <laughs> before. So um, anyway, he, he's doing an excellent job, and I'm just kind of joking a little bit. So this week's attractionality is the Frontier Land Shooting Arcade. Uh, Disney likes to talk about it. Uh, mosey up to a rustic log cabin. Fill your hands with a replica 54 caliber Hawkins Buffalo rifle. Against the southwestern landscape, a familiar sight comes into view. A legendary boot hill in his famous frontier town of Tombstone, Arizona. Using projectile-free infrared technology, take your best shot at a bevy of moving and stationary targets. The dusty setting provides a picture-perfect backdrop to test your marksmanship. Now, this just opened, and it also was just announced that it's going to close. So but then it was just announced that was an error and it's not closing. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. Oh, while oh, you were okay, gone. Good. Yeah, it came out. It was just like a IT thing where it, the date didn't reset or something like that, but it's not actually closing. Gotcha. So, yeah. Good, because this is one of my favorite attractions, <laughs> nice. especially now you have to put quarters in it. I know. So, Let's let's take That's a few here. Joking. That's why it was closing because uh, <laughs> it's not taking Bob, any money Bob now. JPEG heard it was going to be for free and said, "Nope, we're not doing that." So you can see on my screen if you're if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see what I what I scored this whole thing, and I, I kind of did it almost facetiously because it, I I thought it was funny. But <laughs> qu- question one to you, Phil, is how much do you like the concept of this attraction? So I will preface all of my answers that I was I had a lot of mixed feelings for this because I have some nostalgia. I remember doing this with my dad, who's no longer with us. And mm-hmm. so you kind of have all those those memories coming by. But then at the same time, it's not something we actively seek out. So I tried to think more, you know, kind of take out those emotions and just think more, more concretely about it, you know, going forward. How much do we like this concept? And I think the concept's a good one. It certainly fits the, the area. It's something fun. It's something different. Don't, don't skip the question too, Phil. Okay. Well, I'm the concept of, so a target shoot game with a frontier theme. So I'm talking yes. about the theme. Um, 
I guess I'm kind of mixed on it where it's like in some ways I really like it. In some ways I don't really need a shooting game at Disney. It feels a little carnivalish. Um, I, so maybe I cheated and kind of went middle of the road and gave it a three. Um, Ooh. so I don't know. I'm it's, and maybe this is sort of lumping everything together where I think it's kind of fun. I like it, but if they replaced it with something better, I would not shed a tear. Okay. I gave this a five. I like the concept because it's kind of tucked away somewhere, right? If you walk, you can walk past this and never know it exists unless you have my Disney experience. If you heard somebody talk about it, one of the things I love about the magic kingdom or excuse me, Disney parks as a whole is the attention to detail. And now this mm-hmm. is a big detail, but like exploring a park, kind of going into the nooks and crannies of Frontierland and Liberty Square, there's a lot of things that you don't notice mm-hmm. unless you actually take a couple seconds and walk through the stores, walk around a corner. And these are the type of little things that you could just walk up and start playing. And it's, 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 I, I like the concept of the form factor of it, whether it's Frontierland and, or a Frontier theme or whether they put one of these in Tomorrowland somewhere and it's a different theme. But it doesn't even have to be a shooting game. I mean, like like these little activities that mm-hmm. you can do, um, I think, are, are really cool. And I, I kind of li- like I like the little – like we said multiple times over the last couple of weeks, this is like um, – an A, whatever below A level attraction is, <laughs> yeah. right? So you don't even need a ticket for it. So, but the park needs more stuff like this, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, that's why I, I really like it. Question number two is how well do you think the Frontier Shoot and Arcade delivers for its target audience? Yeah, this one I was I was a little mixed on too. And I have to say my, my rating would probably be higher now that it's free. Mm-hmm. You know, I think before I was kind of thinking about, OK, I have to pay money. It's on top of things. And who knows if the gun's going to work and things. So I kind of felt like in the past it hasn't delivered super great. So, again, I gave it a three now that it's free. And if you can kind of just walk up, have some fun with it. You know, I think that would be I would I would up it at least to a four now that it's free. Um, I gave this a five uh, because it, it I mean, just this is basically a statistical kind of, or like a analytical kind mm-hmm. of discussion on this, right? So how, how does it deliver? It's frontier land. It's shooting. It's, you know, <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say cowboys and Indians anymore, but it's part of that theme, right? Um, it's built for kids that can, I mean, again, I, do we, do we like kids going around shooting things? But then again, they have to, Toy Story shooting games in the parks. So it's kind of along the same route. And you're shooting tombstones and, you know, Halloween-ish type of type of things. I think I think if I think it delivers because you can walk up, have a couple minutes, you're usually not waiting on a line for it or waiting behind anybody. You can have some fun while you have a snack or you're catching some shade. You're stepping at like we last time we did it, it was because we were uh, it was raining. So we stepped mm-hmm. out and we were playing this while it was raining. And I think I think it delivers because it's you're not asking much from this, right? Right. So it's a low bar of entry of delivery in my my. Yeah. And you know, I think like that's if, why I get thrown by when it was you had to pay extra because I think that raised the bar in my mm-hmm. eye. Now that it's free, no, no doubt. I think you're you're right. Like you, if you could just walk up, do it for free, have some fun, then I think it it definitely delivers on that. The score was four point three five was the average for this one. So question number three: How much do you personally enjoy the Frontier Shooting Arcade, Bill? Yeah, I think so I was that, the only five on this one. Yeah, it looks like it. Um, I was the only two. Um, I gave it a pretty low one just because I just don't know if I enjoy it. Like, it's it's all right. I go up and do it. I, I can't even remember the last time we did it. It's just not something we seek out. Mm-hmm. And maybe I was kind of challenging myself not to give everything a three or four or whatever. No, um, you should. But, um, you know, like I said, if they replace this with something else, I wouldn't be upset. But I, I do agree with you that things like this, these A-level ticket type things are great and we need more of them in the park. So I certainly don't want it to go away for nothing and become like a store or something like that. Right. Um, but at the we same, need more star- stores. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, um, but at the same time for me to say like, uh, you know, I love it and it's, it's something I have to do. It would be disingenuous too. So. So the reason why I gave it a five, because again, I put these on the context of what level attraction it is, right? It's mm-hmm. a free attraction that's tucked away that doesn't require a lot of maintenance, doesn't require a line, doesn't require any kind of thing special. You can walk up and do it, have fun and leave in one minute or sit there for a half hour and do it, whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. So I like that given that context. And I had fun with my son. We were playing around with it. And, you know, like everything else, I'm, I'm shading it with my own bias and my, sure. you know, 
personal enjoyment with with my kids. Is it something that we did the last time we went down when we did our like little quick two day jaunt down there? No, I think it was closed actually when we went down there. <laughs> but like, um, I don't I don't think I realized it was closed because I wasn't, wasn't something thinking about yeah, it yeah. right at all. It's like it's I'm, I'm like you know, like I don't search of like we need to do frontier shooting arcade every single time we go down there. But um, when it pops up and whatever, I actually, you know what I think? Towards the end of the day, we're walking through Frontierland. I'm like, oh, yeah, the arcade. I remember. And then we brought up the memory of just sitting there in the rain after we did Country Bears for the first time as a family type of thing. So, again, nostalgia and memories all kind of ties into it. Uh, last question. Uh, actually, personal enjoyment. It was a, one of the lowest scores. I see 2.95 with personal enjoyment. Uh, last question is how well do you think Frontier Shooting Arcade fits into Frontierland and the Magic Kingdom? So I'm going to ask you twice, even though we voted the same question here. <laughs> how how much do you think it fits into Frontierland as a whole? So Frontierland, I mean, I think the concept of if thinking about when people were on the frontier and moving west and had to protect their homesteads and stuff mm-hmm. like that, it's hard to think of something that would fit more than that. So I think, right. I guess if I was thinking just Frontierland, I would probably give it a five. Um, so I give it a five too, because I think it fits perfectly within Frontierland. It's, you know, your cowboy with your rifle and your shooting stuff. I mean, that's, that's what Frontierland was, you know, everybody, everybody wanted to be Davy Crockett when they, when they mm-hmm. built Frontierland type of thing. So it fits it perfectly. And um, I'll go first one, this one. So Magic Kingdom, how well do I think it fits into Magic Kingdom? Um, I, I think it doesn't fit very well because yeah. in today's age, right? Exactly. You know, uh, shooting a rifle. That's, I mean, even you're shooting tombstones and crows it's still kind and of stuff like, like a that. Realistically, look, you know, like you were comparing it to yeah. Toy Story or Buzz. I mean, those are very space lasers and yeah, stuff like or that. Just right? like shooting, you know, slingshots or something like that. Like this is a much more realistic looking thing yep. you're holding when shooting. So it. Yeah, so that's the only. I'm not, I'm not that I'm uncomfortable with it, but it's just like you know the way Disney's going. This is probably not long for the park. Mm-hmm. I would say. I would say if I had to guess, within five years, this is gone or closed down. Yeah, if I had to guess, uh, that's just me. Um, I don't. I don't. I didn't have a follow up question for this one <laughs> because it's such so simple. My only other question is, uh, I guess, what would you put in its space? I'll give you two. I'll give you two questions. You can mm-hmm. only answer one of them. Whatever you can think of. What would you either replace with this space or what is another similar type of attraction that you put somewhere else in the park, anywhere else in Magic Kingdom? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I feel like I know you mentioned Tomorrowland and I guess we have Buzz there, so maybe you don't need it there. But something sort mm-hmm. of futuristic where, you know, they could use some cool technology with sort of like the two and a half D stuff where you're kind of maybe not shooting something, but somehow interacting with like a background and, and things like that. I think, you know, for lack of a better word, something that comes to mind is like how they have Mr. Potato Head animatronic that you can kind of yep. interact with where you yell, like, take your ear out and he'll do it. You know, something like that in Tomorrowland, I think could be really cool, whether it's with a with an alien or like a an astronaut or something like that. I feel like they could do some cool interactive thing there that wouldn't take up a ton of space. But like you said, something you can duck out, uh, get in some shade, have a drink, just have a little fun with it. That maybe isn't a shooting thing, but like a little interactive area, I think would fit into Tomorrowland. So something that, I mean, this is going to take more space than this, but something that's just basically a thing, like something like a hedge maze Mm -hmm. you have. And I mean, I know that was, that's, was in some of the parks in the early plans for some of the things I think. It, well, it's supposed to be in beastly kingdom and animal. Kingdom. Right. And they uh, do and have a, sw- in uh, Shanghai, they have an Alice in Wonderland henchman. Right. That that's, that's what I was thinking. I, I couldn't remember if it was um, Paris or Shanghai with, with the Alice, with Alice. I, I mean, I think something like that, that's low, low, low threshold type of stuff. It's just basically a walking attraction. I think mm-hmm. that'd be pretty, pretty cool. Okay. So we're going to go on to the topic of the week. And this one, I'm going to flash this on the screen, was uh, an article uh, written on the Hollywood Reporter, by, uh, in the Hollywood Reporter, by, let me get the author's name, uh, by Kim Masters. And it was a detail that the, the byline of this was, 18 months into the media's most consequential transition, Disney's Respected ex-CEO lingers while the successor of Bob Bob Chapek provides anxiety as he moves aggressively to reshape the Magic Kingdom. So we paired this up with another announcement um, that 
14 years uh, veteran of Imagineering, Kevin Lively, is leaving because they are now uh, moving the offices to uh, to Florida outside of California, instead of California. So a lot of people that couldn't make the move are now being forced to either quit or find something else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you want to start with this, but we kind of let this blank because I, th- yeah. I felt like this is a cool topic to kind of just kind of meander through because there's, mm-hmm. you know, I am not an expert on who works at Imagineering and who's part of the board and all the underlings and sub directors and VPs of Disney. Yeah. Like, you know, I know Bob Chapek and that that's basically, you know, Josh tomorrow. And then that's, that's basically all I really know. And I recognize some of the other names, but I sure. don't know who they are. Right. Yeah. So where do we start with this? What, what is your first, what was your first impression when this started kind of making it? Well, my first impression with this and kind of combining it with the, uh, the move and how that's impacting Imagineering and stuff is just sort of that, where do we find that right balance between creativity and business? You know, if we think back through Disney's history, it seems like some of the best periods were when they had a very creative person as sort of the number one. And then very closely behind them was a more financially minded person, right? Whether it was Walt Disney with his brother Roy, you know, right there to make all the numbers work, but let him do his creative stuff. Or when we had Michael Eisner, uh, but with Frank Wells there to sort of, again, make all the business decisions, but let Michael have his creativity. And you kind of had, you know, Bob Iger sort of did a little bit of both, but he had some key people that worked for him. Um, I, I, I looked a lot at some of the comments that Bob said at the last sort of, I guess, leadership offsite that they did at, at Alani, where he was saying, you know, let's not go too far into data. You got to value your instincts over the data and stuff like that. And then it feels like Bob Chapek is too, too into the data. And how do we find that right balance? Right. Because it's a challenge. I'm trying to find, you know, where. Let, let, me, let me read the there, quote. Let me read the there. quote. So this is in quotes uh, of, uh, in regards to Bob Iger. In a, world of, in, a world and, in a world and business that is awash with data, it is tempting to use that data to answer all of our questions, including creative questions, he said. I urge all of you not to do that, uh, end quote. Uh, if Disney had relied too heavily on data, he noted the company might never have made big breakthrough movies like the Black Panther, Coco, Shanghai, and, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, this is the first comment that was kind of bandied around, whether it's on the forums and WDW magic or on discord or anywhere else. Um, a lot of people interpret this as like taking a pot shot from Iger to Bob Chapek and Disney's infamous for all the boardroom shenanigans and stuff like that. have been going on. That's been not exactly very public, but like very public to the people that you want to, if you know where to look right, for right. it, it was very public. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm not a big fan of Bob Chapek, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt at this point because you know he started at the beginning of the pandemic, poor guy, right? So there was he he was he would had to make a lot of sacrifices, but he's done very well. I mean that the company itself is very strong coming out of the pandemic. I mean, I granted a lot of people don't like the the price increases and all this other stuff, which he's famous for. But let's see where he goes with a lot of this stuff. So, but with Iger's comments, you know, might never have made big breakthrough movies like Black Panther. And Shang-Chi. Was Shang-Chi considered a breakthrough movie? I mean, that that's the first thing that kind of... I think it was viewed as taking a me. chance uh, um, with like kind of having that Asian action star lead in a big movie. Really? I, yeah, I think it was viewed as, as sort of taking a chance that they haven't performed as well monetarily in the past. Um, it's interesting, though, and that comment was all sort of recent things, right? Like, I don't know. There's probably been much bigger chances that Disney's taken. Right. Um, and even like thinking about the parks, sort of a counterpoint, you know, Bob Chapek used to head up all the parks when they, I mean, I think it started before he took over, but like they spent what a billion dollars on each of the galaxy's edges. Like, I mean, they're not, I mean, that's huge. That's a like, huge chance. I mean, he, maybe he's spending the money, like he views where the money should go differently than some. And, you know, I certainly feel like more should go to entertainment than maybe he does, but like, he's not afraid to spend money where he thinks the return is. It's just, you know, where is that return and what is sort of, I feel like it kind of gets to that essence of well, what is the, what is the essence of Disney parks, right? Is it big thrill rides or is it kind of a lot of the little things that people feel, you know, when you look at the data, okay, the guy playing piano on main street doesn't really return money. So what, let's not bring him back, but 
but they're bringing back all that know, entertainment, exactly. right? That proves yeah. that point. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe it's one of those things we just need to give it more time. Um, I know that article was talking a lot. It is the Hollywood Reporter, so it was talking a lot about movies. And there's some investors that are really pushing them to just put everything on streaming and not worry about like releasing in theaters. And then our directors and movie stars going to want to do that if they're not going to get their return that in the before we get model. to the stream oh, yeah, yeah oh sorry uh, before we get to the streaming stuff i want to go back to the parking investment yeah. right so everybody ha- wants to hate on bob chapek because he's not investing enough in the parks but what ha- what have we he or the disney company have invested in the parks in the last five years because bob chapek was the head of all the parks so like yeah. it's not like he had nothing to do with the parks over the last decade right i mean to your point if we wanted to follow analytics and data about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I mean, he, the safest bet would be to build Tatooine, right? right. Like boring, most Eisley, Tatooine, whatever. Arguably, that might have been a better choice. But he decided to go in another direction and create a space that no one knows, but to kind of give it a blank ca- canvas. I mean, the argument, if you're sitting in a design room, I mean, you don't know how successful or not successful the new trilogy was going to be. And you're designing this all out. I mean, that's kind of a bold direction to go to. I mean, you're not using data to say, let's build an entirely different thing within Star Wars, right? Right. So that was okay. That had to go through Bob Chapek to okay to get to Bob Iger's death, right? right? But Chapek had to be involved in that for sure. Right. And he's just not sitting there going, I don't have anything to say. I have (laughs) just an expensive job at, you know, parks. Um, So I I want to put on on, in that regard. Uh, Now, go to streaming. You know, every, there's there, there's a whole portion of this article where everybody's afraid that Iger, because he's a massively creative person, apparently, um, even though he came from like a, ABC and kind of, you know, like standard kind of entertainment type of thing. So he's a very Hollywood guy, right? Connections yeah. with all those type of well, people. I think that's the and big so, thing. He's very standard, right? He's the way mm-hmm. deals used he's to not scary. traditionally been done, right? With all yep. these upfronts and when the box office is huge, all the stars and directors make a lot of money. And they're they're worried that's going to go away. Yeah. So I mean, it goes down to we had this conversation when Soul came out, and mm-hmm. then um, Luca came out, yep. where the people at Pixar are pissed off that the show's going right to streaming, and they're like, "What? Oh, we wanted this going to the movies and all this other stuff." And I'm going to tell you right now, if Soul released in the movies, it would have been probably um, a dud. Even though it won a lot of awards, I don't think it would have been like crazy popular like cars or toy story four or anything else like it would have done okay in the movies i, I mean I don't, I don't think it would have been like you know a bomb but it wouldn't have been like here's this most amazing acclaimed movie that's coming out for pixar right like how how well did um oh gosh what was the movie that came out before that with the adventure and oh, the two onward. onward like that yeah. didn't do very well, well. That, i mean it, it had a couple weeks and then the pandemic hit so it's hard to right try, but yeah it wasn't but like, like it yeah. didn't hit yeah um the same thing with luca luca was a great movie i our family loved it i think it was beautiful well put together everything else like that but when i watched that that didn't seem like a movie theater movie would you have spent money to go see that in the theaters uh probably not i don't know Unless he had nothing to do, right? Kind of like, what are we going to go see? Exactly. Yeah, it would have been one of those. Right, but that's not like I need to go see it. Like you're not, you know, circling like a date, like a Marvel movie. Like we're going to see the movies for this type of thing, right? Like I did that for Toy Story. I've done Mm -hmm. that for almost every Disney Studios film, like Moana and Frozen Two, and all. I mean, I did that, but those 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 movies didn't um, appeal to me, Um, and that's just my opinion, obviously. In, In any case, you know. Is it maybe a case that Bob Chapek thought like, okay, these movies aren't going to gross that much more money, but if we put these premiere on Disney Plus, it's just going to bolster the streaming service more and give it more content and make it feel more, you know, rather than a quote unquote dumping ground that like Netflix is type of thing. We're going to premiere some really good uh, high production type of material for it. And I think that's what he was going for, right? On that. And, and I think it's just the sort of the mindset shift, right? Like, I mean, and that's what a lot of these investors are getting at, that streaming is the future. You need to invest more in it. And I don't know if this is the best metric for it, but it's not like something goes on streaming. Like, this isn't back in the day when there was like, you know, Cinderella 2 went right to VHS, right? Like, this is right. streaming is a major, major thing. And, you know, if we're looking at the latest uh, fireworks show at Magic Kingdom, you know, Soul onward and luca were all featured in it yeah right so it's not like you have to be in the theaters to be 
an integral part of the Disney brand anymore. And, and it's, it's rough now, right? We saw the, the battles with Scarlett Johansson and stuff like that. You know, it's going to be messy for a while, but you know, sometimes the way things are going, man, I kind of said this about harmonious, like sometimes different isn't bad. Right. And I think we just kind of need to see where that, where that goes. And, you know, what does it mean for the creative people around Bob? If we don't think Bob Chapek is the most creative person, is he keeping creative people around there? And I think that's when people get worried about these moves, like moving to Lake Nona and we're losing all these Imagineers. It's like, okay, so the person at top is focused on the bottom line, whether he is or isn't. We're losing all these great minds to create things. What is it? But let me play devil's. Let's talk about the move, right? Because this is going to tie into the Kevin Lively tweet that you put in there. Um, People come and go from jobs, right? Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're an Imagineer. I, I mean, like, I don't know this guy. I don't know what he's worked on. I don't know. Like, he's like pretty I said, out I in front, and and he was kind of like a face to Imagineering for a while. He was really active on Twitter and stuff like that. He, I mean, I recognize videos. his face, and like, but he like, I don't the, follow uh, him. Or he was very involved in the redo of the Jungle Cruise ride and and some other. Things. Oh yes, you know. And now that I know, I do. That's where I recognize his face yeah. from. So I think, but he's that kind big, of just one of the the faces, for lack of a better word, sort of the faces of Imagineering. So for that to kind of be like, well, we're not going to make any allowances for him and continue, you know, in 2021, why can't he work from California and that sort of thing? So I think that kind of got people a little worried. I do, see. Look, this, this is what doesn't worry me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, when you have a massive change in, in a corporate structure, you're going to lose some people. And mm-hmm. that, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, just because you've worked there for 14 years and you were on a lot of social media, you know, clips, whether it's from his own personal Twitter or from like a, you know, produced thing from, from Disney doesn't mean that you're good at your job. I'm pretty sure he was phenomenal at his job, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm not saying he was bad, but like, he's not the only Imagineer that's out there. I mean, there could be far more talented people than him, let's say, or equally talented people that are moving to Florida that are going to step up and take yeah. his place. Right. So, I mean, Let's not be drastic. Like, oh, the sky is falling here. I oh, mean, absolutely. turnover in any organization is very good. I mean, I've worked for some organizations where the same people work there for 30, 40 years. And it's stale and it's like things don't change. So you need shuffle mm-hmm. on this. And I and I think the move to Disney World, or excuse me, uh, Florida, is a long time coming for Imagineering, right? You've got your, the, your world capital in parks, right, in Walt Disney World. And you're constantly seeing like ga- video games, board games, um, everything from the perspective of Disneyland for a lot of things, right? And people around the world don't know Disneyland. They know Walt Disney World because that's where they go, right? Yep. It's, that, Disneyland's not called the largest regional park for nothing, right? <laughs> it's still regional. And moving to those facilities, they can grow and, and go through things. And, and in the end of the day, they're creative and they're engineering types. They don't need to be... In California, they don't need to be in front of the camera. They just need to hopefully be given the space to be creative yes. and given the license to do that. That's the only thing that you have to worry about. And there, there has been um, some flare-ups, I guess, on social media or little rumblings that people don't like Bob Chapek because he doesn't allow them to be cre- be creative. But here you got it. I'll only because I don't know. Like, right? I, I I don't I don't never talk to any of these people or anything else like that. But you can say like, whenever there's a new boss in town, and if you didn't like him because you had a conversation or a meeting with him, and he's kind of you butt heads with him, and now all of a sudden he's your boss, you're gonna feel disgruntled anyway. Yeah. And it might doesn't mean that you're a bad boss. It just means that you never got along with him. Yeah. And, you know, that type of thing. So I, I think, I think the the it, it's uninteresting to say, but I think you have to wait and see. Right. Um. Changes in these things. And I think people tend to focus on the negative aspects of it. Right. And like, even recently it came out that, you know, the headline was like, Bob Chapek says he's the uh, decider or influencer for the idea for harmonious. And if you look at the details, he was like, Hey, maybe we should use Disney music in it. You know, like, and it's like, that's his whole vision of making Epcot more Disney and that sort of thing. Cause any other park can do something without Disney music. Right. But if you look at a harmonious as a whole, that's a huge chance they take. They took on it, building all those barges. Like that was I mean, not. A, on, yeah. That was not a safe call to do harmonious. Like yes, using Disney music maybe is, but a lot of the other elements are not. So, I think we, you know, people tend to focus on the negative of it, and they're. I'm not saying he's perfect or anything like that, but let's 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 give him a fair shake and kind of see where things go and 
hopefully, you know, like you said, new creative talent can rise up and, and we'll have some new, new voices. You got, you got to realize the, the timetable for a lot of these things as a CEO, like Disney, as much as people want to deride wall street to pick, picking uh, about like quarterly results, yeah. short term thinking, that type of thing. The di- people at Disney are thinking 10 to 30 years in advance. Like this ride has to be here for 30 years to make yep. its return on investment. We know that we want to do this over the next 10 years. I mean, things change drastically, but like you have to cycle through probably up until maybe a year or two from now, all of the things that Iger had his fingerprints on are going to slowly cycle out. And it's going to be a lot of the things that Bob Chetpick has his finger fingerprints on. I mean, in the article, it says about how, um, you know, uh, this is very shaded, throwing a lot of shade at Pop JPEG in this article because it's yeah. like, oh, he's replacing all of Iger's lieutenants. Oh, he's making, he's put his own brand on things. I thought it was a little negative. I mean, of course he's going to do that. Like you're, you're instilled at the head of the largest entertainment company in the world. And uh, of course you're going to put the people you trust yeah. in positions, you know, because they mentioned a couple other people that have left and are like, oh, where are we going to, like these people, um, what was the gentleman that was head of Disney Studios that was retiring? Oh, Horn, right? Alan Horn? Right, Horn. I mean, not not I mean not not to criticize him, but his track record of Disney Studios isn't like the best, right? And, and not, it's not and, it's not and bad. Sound ageist or anything, but he's 78. Like, yeah. you know, like maybe some fresh blood won't be the worst thing. Fresh blood's always right? good. It, it's it's always good. So, well, I mean, to kind of wrap up this whole discussion, on this um there's going to be tons of things that you see online people are hating bob jpeg because he instilled 25 dollars parking fees at all the hotels even though every single other hotel does it um you're going to see a lot of hate for bob jpeg for raising the price on tickets even though everybody else is raising prices on tickets you're going to see come comments on how JPEG and Disney and Disney Company. I mean, Iger probably had a lot to do with firing twenty was it twenty nine, twenty eight thousand uh, park employees at the beginning of the pandemic, rather than keeping them on, type of thing. I mean, who wasn't doing that? No, I mean, you got to, you got to. I mean, like you read about that now, it's like, oh, Disney could have easily. But Disney was like, we might be closing these parks yeah. for like two years, right? Like, and they did pretty. I mean, they furloughed them. They still got a lot of benefits and for all this other stuff. So least, sure, yeah, yeah, but like. No, what, no company, and they had to float a lot of capital to pay. I mean, they're they had to do a lot of creative financial things. I mean, they're a big company; they probably weren't going out of business or anything like that. But it it could have turned really ugly for them. Like, yeah, you know, like I mean, a lot of people like to play hindsight. Uh, it's twenty twenty type yeah. of you know crap when they start talking about COVID. Uh, you know, I, I'm not getting I'm not getting into people had a comment where they don't like us talking about COVID, and I I agree because we started off not talking about COVID, <laughs> so we won't do that. But just put yourself in in his position or Disney's position with a lot of the stuff that they hate on type of thing. And you know what? Park ops type of stuff changes. Now, we'll see as hopefully um, next year, uh, as things get f- closer back to normal than possible, we'll see where, where they take a lot of these things. Yep. Um, I, I think one of the positive things were these nighttime uh, ticketed events. People are extremely popular and people that actually spend the money to go to these parties are actually getting their value out of it with low wait times and kind of awesome things that they get to do. Um, so let's see once Tron and guardians are out, let's see, and we'll probably get a taste of this at the next, um, D 23 event mm-hmm. It's probably next summer. I think is that the next big one. Uh, so out in California yeah, destination D 23 is in November. And then the next D 23 convention in California is next September. Right. So I think you'll, we'll get a lot of previews of like the next kind of four years yeah. of Disney at that. So I think hold your judgment I mean, you could judge. Go ahead. I mean, yeah. like, well, well, I mean, we judge every single week. We're not going to tell you not to judge, but like, hold your like final judgment, I guess. Yeah. And you can kind of see as we're going to look past COVID back to closer peak operation, that type of thing. And then we'll, we'll see where they're investing in the parks. If it's like a big nothing burger with uh, Epic Universe coming out, then you could start saying, okay, Disney's just kind of not doing anything. But yep. yeah, we'll see. We'll I think see that's fair. That. I think just. You know, call out things that need to be called out. Like you said, judge where it's appropriate, but don't go into everything negative, like wanting to hate everything. You know, like like let's. And don't get me wrong, yeah. I I hate what Disney's doing with a lot of the resort prices and the hotel costs. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think the hotels are worth the money that you put them in at all. And we had that conversation a couple oh, yeah. weeks ago about like you know staying on site or versus off site. That questions will is probably going to be the most important conversation you're going to be having with the next 
two years of Disney until we start seeing what the discounts look like and all the other packages that they might put together. Um, I, I think a lot of those prices have to do with the 50th and trying to get all the money it's worth. And then some on the other side of this, we'll see what happens, especially with, sure. especially with infl- uh, inflationary pressures and all this other stuff. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, okay. Do we do it? I think we, I think we, I think we've exhausted that. that. Yeah, I think so. All right. I mean, we could go on and go into individual things, but it gets, it gets nitpicky and it's yeah. kind of boring. And it's just like, um, it's definitely interesting to follow as Iger finally exits and Chapek finally, you know, it's definitely it an interesting good, time for the company for sure. Yeah. It's definitely going to take him a solid year or two to be comfortable as CEO. And I'm going to be really interested in seeing what his first major acquisition investment is going to be. Cause right now, He's running uh, Disney Plus well, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's just going to be let's keep that going. Is it going to be or is he going to be like Iger or is he start buying up studios? Now, I don't think there's any left anyway. Um, or is it opening up a new park? Is it like, you know, um, Eisner was big about making his stamp on the company, right? Yeah. Movies and parks and all, mostly parks and all those investments. You know, and Iger opened up, what was it Shanghai? Yeah, Shanghai was his big thing, and, then, and the big yep. thing with him was all the acquisitions of Marvel and Fox right. and everything. Yeah. So what is uh, like so over the last 30, 30 years, thirty years since Eisner came on board, each CEO has left their mark, a huge mark on the company, mm-hmm. and I'm very curious to see what Chapex mark is going to be. Hopefully, it's not a bad one. Yeah, um, where he just leaves after five years because the parks kind of go down and you know money's, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Jizzy's too big of a juggernaut to kind of see, um, you know just because of internal things that they're doing wrong type of thing. If they can survive, and I'm going to throw this out there before we end, if, if, if Star Wars can survive the last three movies and <laughs> pick it up with The Mandalorian, um, Ryan, this one's for you if you're listening. Last Jedi was a terrible movie. Um, that being said, um, the future should be interesting. We'll find out next summer, I think, on that. Um, okay, so to wrap up the show, we're going to go to the DBC <laughs> Recommends uh, this week. Oh, and, and before we do that... Um, Next week, I am not going to be on the show. You can kind of see I have Yogi Bear sweatshirt on. We're going to a little Halloween Jellystone mm-hmm. camping trip type of thing. It should be a lot of fun. Um, so Phil doesn't know what he's doing because I just told him <laughs> about an hour ago. Um, so you might see a uh, Phil family special, maybe a solo show. Um, he's got to think about what it is. I'm, so I'm going to be eager to see what, what that's all about. And I'm going to teach him how to do production on, on this. <laughs> it's, it's relatively easy, Phil. So don't okay. worry. Right. And I'll do the, I'll do the post-production on it. Um, so the, the episode might come out late, might come out okay. late on Tuesday, that type of thing. Um, that being said, okay. So DBC recommends, we got two of them. I promised my wife that I would shill her Etsy shop. She's getting into uh, making masks and other, you know, fabrics and stuff like that. But I told her, like, you need to bridge out into um, some Disney stuff because that's really big on Etsy. And, you know, we're a Disney family. So I'm going to show a quick picture here. Um, So she's into making some Christmas wreaths. So I'm showing that up on the screen. Um, and, And if Phil's... Uh, if Phil would put the link in the show notes, my wife will owe you a beer for the, for when we, when we get together. Um, so if you're interested in that, um, she, her, her Etsy shop is lovely sewn by Cynthia. You can check out that in a lot of other masks and she's kind of filling up with a couple different Disney things. So we appreciate that. And then the recommends Phil that you found this week was a really good one. I didn't know it existed and I think it's yeah. really cool. So yeah, so, why don't you go uh, ahead and, so it's another uh, YouTube channel that's called Cliff Flicks. And it's actually, I was looking into the history. He, he started the channel and posting things like years ago, but it wasn't really much. It was kind of every little thing. He's getting a little bit more active. And what he's really focused on is super high quality Disney oh, it's videos. Awesome. Um, and so, for example, what he's recently put up is his Happily Ever After video that he he shot over months from tons of different angles uh he's got some really i'm showing cool, it right now on some really so if you're cool listening with like the partner statues and the castle he even has some angles from um california grill and stuff like that um he also is big into audio he's got some audio thing he's developed called deep space audio and i don't know i was just blown away by the quality everything's in 8k it's gorgeous like i don't have technology close enough to really maximize the quality of these videos um <laughs> but it's just really awesome it's better than anything i've seen disney put up like disney really should probably just hire this guy to do their videos well uh, <laughs> after our comments about the parks blog video oh of, yeah for um, harmonious 
harmonious. We talked about this last week. I don't yeah. know if I, did we talk about this on the show last week or was this just our, our chats after the show? I don't, I don't remember what it was, but watching, uh, I, I think we did talk about the show. I yeah. mentioned we watched Craig's video from the Diz on harmonious. I'm like, this show is amazing. And then go back to the parks bug. I'm like, it's like zoomed in on the screen for like an hour. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't get it. So, um, you're certainly going to uh, have the link on the show notes yep. and you'll put it on a social media. It is gorgeous. So if you've got like a 4K TV or something, uh, the sound is amazing. I don't know how we got the sound on this so so well from like just being in the parks. So um, it's it it's yeah. If you're missing the parks, this is something they should just put on yeah. a loop in the background. Yeah, and so he doesn't sure. have the Good latest find. ones because he does like all these. Ang- I'm assuming he's working on you know Enchantment and Harmonious. I can't wait to see those. He does have Illuminations up there and a few others. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the happily ever after, and, and maybe this is a, a shout out, especially to Matt Pato. Um, but but watch happily ever after in 8K and and shed shed a little tear. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, that that's definitely one. Check it out. Like and subscribe his videos because it's if you want the live feed. He does a lot. He does some live stuff too. So yeah, where he's um, like chatting to people, and he even in the beginning to happily, he kind of explains things. He talks about how he worked on it and stuff like that. So if you're kind of a little bit into the tech side and like production side it's pretty cool and this is not just some guy talking into a phone as i mean like it's fully produced show i mean like it's he does a good job (laughs) with this and it's 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 quality stuff so that that was a good find uh phil appreciate that um that put something back onto my many many youtube subscriptions (laughs) that'll be watching Uh, that being said guys thank you for listening i will see you in two weeks phil will see you next week thank you for watching and listening and we'll see you next time take care everybody bye everyone